0: They'll share their success stories, wisdom, and know-how to help you shine more light onto your day and into your life. Power your life right now. Here's Joanne White.
1: And thanks for joining us And I'm Dr. Joanne White And it's always a pleasure to be here And I don't know if you can hear my excitement today But I am so excited Because this is Women's History Month And it is so fitting that we have this wonderful guest Who is going to share so much about a remarkable woman in history Who, like so many other women, have been erased And I'm talking about Jan Eliasberg, who's an award winning screenwriter, producer, feminist, as well as a director of film and television. Her prolific career includes writing and directing dramatic pilots for CBS, NBC, as well as ABC. Handpicked by Michael Mann, she was the first woman to direct Miami Vice, followed by Crime Story and Wise Guy as well as countless episodes of TV series, including 13 Reasons Why, Bull, Nashville, Parenthood, goes on and on, The Magicians, Blue Bloods, NCIS, Los Angeles, Supernatural, as well as so many others, including her debut film, Past Midnight. Throughout her tenure as a celebrated screenwriter, Jan has written films driven by strong female leads, including wasp about the women air service pilots in world war ii for nicole kidman as well as cameron cameron diaz excuse me her first novel which is beautiful by the way hannah's war was inspired by female physicist dr meitner who discovered nuclear fission it tells the story of what her life might have been Jan elias Berg, welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank
2: you, thank you, thank you. I'm so happy to be here.
1: <laughs> it's definitely my pleasure, and your novel is is so wonderful. It 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 has some truth in it. It has love. It has a lot of action, yet the the Basis behind it is really interesting. The story behind it is so interested Interesting rather so tell our listeners What inspired you to write this? beautiful novel Hannah's war All right, well I was doing research
2: um, For actually the screenplay that you just mentioned about the women air service pilots in World War two and I was in the New York Public Library, um, which is the best place in the world to do research. And I had an idea that I wanted uh, the, the story to end on the day that the war ended. And so I, I called up the New York Times, the issue of the New York Times, on the day that we bombed Hiroshima, because, of course, that technically really led to the, the end of the war. And it was absolutely fascinating as a document. Uh, Up is, you know, at the top is a huge banner headline about we we dropped this bomb and X number of people killed and Truman vows reign of ruin on Japan. And then because the atomic bomb had been developed entirely in secret, so much so that even scientists working at los alamos didn 't know what they were working on. The New York Times had the, the, the had the necessity to explain the development of this terrible weapon from the very 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 beginning, meaning the first principle, the first theory that had allowed this to happen and so i 'm reading this article. Um, And in the, maybe under the fold, there's a paragraph and a sentence that said, the key component that allowed the Allies to develop the bomb was brought to the Allies by a female non-Aryan physicist. Now, non-Aryan, of course, had, had quotes around it, and I first thought how fascinating that the New York Times couldn't actually write Jewish, um, you know, even though it was 1945. Um, but, but then I thought, wait a minute, who, who is this mysterious woman? That, that was the greatest discovery or certainly the most important discovery of the 20th century. And I'm now reading that a, a woman, a Jewish woman, was, was at the center of this discovery no name, you know, just just this sort of bald statement. And I have to tell you, I felt as if this woman reached out through the microfiche and grabbed me by the lapels and said, I have a story to tell and you are going to tell it.
1: And it's that remarkable that you did be, because, firstly, she didn't get any credit for it. Somebody else got the credit for the discovery. So tell our listeners about that. Well, uh, okay, so,
2: you know, there is a very long story, and, of course, that, that, that easy thing of, of telling her story took, took about 10 years um, and tons and tons and tons of research. But what I discovered is that her, her name was Lisa Meitner, Dr. Lisa Meitner, She was an Austrian Jew. She was the only woman uh, working at the Kaiser Wilhelm Institute in Berlin, and that was the premier institute for all scientific research in the world before Hitler started to rise to power. As Hitler rose to power, scientists, Jewish scientists, Eastern European scientists, started to flee. Um, but, but, But Lisa Meitner had a 20-year-long collaboration with a, a man named Otto Hahn. I mean, they were partners. They were not romantically involved, but, but when you read about scientific collaboration, you really understand that it is such an intense bond. It, it is like being married. And she was simultaneously working... Toward this discovery, and also watching as Hitler rose to power, and all of her colleagues, including Hans, said, "Don't worry, you will be safe. we'll protect you. You are working at this high level institute. No one can touch you. you know you're a very important person essentially and Of course, the day Austria was annexed, um, she was no longer Uh, An Austrian citizen she was a German Jew and nothing else and one of her colleagues called the Gestapo and she had six hours to leave the country with nothing and um, you know I don't know whether any of her colleagues stepped up to help her but they they weren't they weren't very effective uh, if they did Um, and what happened was that she fled to Sweden and Hahn discovered that he could not work without her. And so he went to meet her, and they devised experiments. He went back to Germany because he had all of the lab equipment and all of the assistants and all the, the chemicals that he needed The work the lab there. And he did the experiments, and then he would send the results of the experiments to her via courier in sweden because she was the one he was the chemist he would mix everything and and then write down the results and she was the one who would decipher and understand the physics of what had taken place so this is just a a scene out of a movie but true she was snow skiing with her nephew who was also a scientist and she she was close to him they talked about science a lot and she was puzzling over the results of this experiment that he didn't, no one understood. And she was snow skiing. And all of a sudden, she stopped in this beautiful glade. And she started doing equations with her ski pole. And she <laughs> said, I know what happened. The only way to explain the results of this experiment is if we split the atom. And wow. she coined the term nuclear fission and then Otto Hahn published a paper in Germany, and because she was Jewish, and at this point Hitler was in power, just to be charitable to him, you know, he, he it, it would have been very difficult for him if he had put her name on the paper because she was Jewish, and the experiment would have been immediately discredited as what they called Jewish science. Um, But then, after the war, somehow Hahn had convinced himself that she just really didn't play much of a role in it, and so when the Nobel Prize Committee offered the Nobel Prize to him. He took it, and I read her diary, and she was sitting in the audience when he accepted it, and she said, I am so disappointed that he didn't even mention my name. And at that point, you know, my heart just leapt out of my chest for this woman, and I identified as, I think, any woman who's been in a meeting and had a great idea you know only only to have people sort of rush over it and then you know a man five minutes later has the same idea and all of a sudden everyone thinks it's brilliant and gives him the credit for it and this has happened with the Nobel Prize Committee many many times it happened with Rosalind Franklin um, with the uh, discovery of the uh, genetic structure of DNA um, but, but this was just, uh, a gross, a gross miscalculation because if anything, she was really more responsible for the discovery than he was. And when, when he published that, that discovery, he actually couldn't really explain it in the article that he published. And it was in the next issue that she wrote in and actually, explained it in a letter to the editor. So it was a grave misjustice, and she was such a remarkable woman. She was such a genius, and she was also such a humanist. She had such a wonderful moral compass about the the the, the, the reasons scientists do what they do, and what what needed to sort of take precedent over discovery was really. A, a A conscience about what what is good for humanity and and how to make the world a better place, and I really felt as if I had found this extraordinary heroine in in every sense of the word uh, that that pretty much no one knew about and um that there, there was a biography of her because of course people always ask, why didn't you write a biography um, and number one, you know, I don't, that I'm not a nonfiction writer, um, but also there was, a, there was a good biography of her by a woman in academic press. Um, but w- w- what really started to interest me once I had gotten into the depth of this research was the fact that there had been a race between the Allies and the Germans to develop the bomb. And here was a woman who had been a part of that race in Germany, unwittingly. I mean, she didn't know when she was working on it in the early 30s that it was going to land in Hitler's hands. But once she saw the Nazis march into her institute, which is what happened, and announce that the institute was no longer a scientific research institute. It was an army fortress and all that work was going to be devoted to developing weapons of mass destruction. And she fled. I thought, what would that woman see if she were at Los Alamos, where essentially the same thing was happening again, but in a more subtle way? Because there the scientists had been enlisted to develop this bomb, because of their fear that Hitler would get it first and that he was right on the doorstep of having it. And they were working like crazy, just in a frenzy. And at a certain point, the military and the politicians kind of started to step in. And the scientists realized that the work was no longer really theirs, but was taken over by the military who, you know, was running the base, and then by Truman, the president, who made the, made the decision to drop the bomb, which many, many, many of the scientists were morally and ethically opposed to. But at that point, they had no say in their own discovery. And so that idea and all the tensions and all the fascinating um, themes behind that story um it it just it, it just was made to be a novel i felt and it was you know important i can hear
1: enough. your I can hear your excitement even today after the novel is written and but there's so much in the novel it 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 also talks about what would have happened what could have happened so tell our listeners a little bit more about the novel i love the backstory because I didn't know the fullness of it. I just heard some of it from, from reading some of your stuff, but this is amazing. And so many women, as you said, have been excluded, whether it's been in math or science and in discoveries. And it's so important that all of this is coming to the forefront now.
2: Yes, yes, yes. And um and there are so many women that, that still haven't been discovered. Um, I could probably spend the rest of my life finding, <laughs> finding other Lisa Meitners. But, um, you know, first of all, you, you have to remember that she, you know, she grew up at a time when women really were not allowed to, to be in the sciences at all. Um, but she was one of those geniuses who, at eight years old, was staying up at night in bed doing equations under her covers with a flashlight, you know, the way we would be reading magazines or comic books. And so she she was sort of brought along by grudgingly by by men who just couldn't deny how brilliant she was and to some extent really needed her. I mean, there was no question that Otto Hahn needed her. He would not have been half the scientist he was if they had not collaborated. Um, so it's really interesting, you know, that, that she's the one whose name disappeared. Um, but the other interesting question that, um, oh well, so many things. Um, as you correctly point out, I'm still excited talking about everything in this book, but um, it is an espionage thriller. I want to say that because it, you know, for all the science and all the history and all the everything else, it is a page turner. Um, it's a spy story, and there is not just one, but two wonderful romances threaded in there. Um, but the other question that fascinated me was why the Germans never did get the bomb. And that is one of the great great questions of the 20th century because they were in fact ahead of the Americans way ahead, partly because this discovery of nuclear fission had happened in Germany because of Lisa Meitner. So what happened? Why did this group of scientists who remained in Germany never even get close and i I do come to some conclusions about that in in the book that that I think are fascinating. I'll leave that to you to tell me if I'm correct or not, but there are some revela- revelations in there that um, that to me are um, well I think they're deeply affirming this is a uh, in, in writing a book about you know, the bomb, and the atomic bomb, you inevitably are talking about death um, because we do know what happened when the bomb was dropped. But this is a book that is very much about life and love and the power of, um, of, of love to, to change the world for the better.
1: Which is so very important, because we need that today. We definitely do. And, and that's...
2: We do. How does
1: how does anti-Semitism play a role in Hannah's War?
2: Well, that's a great question, because, of course, I knew that I was just going to be writing about Germany in the 30s, and anti-Semitism was a very, very big thing, um, you know, the Holocaust, the camps. Um, But I discovered uh, something that was fascinating and it it resonated with the period in which I was writing. I started looking at Germany from the eyes of a woman who didn't want to leave. And I, you know, because we all sort of think, I, I think, you know, well, why didn't they leave? Why didn't they, they they must have seen what was going to happen. Why didn't all the Jews flee? And so here I was writing from the point of view of a woman who had struggled all her life to get to the pinnacle of her work as a scientist, which was not just a job. It was a calling. It was a mission for her in the same way that being an artist is a mission and she had struggled so hard to get there and and she was obsessed with the idea that if she left there was no way she could recreate the environment that she had in Germany she wouldn't she wouldn't have her collaborators she wouldn't have her labs she wouldn't have any of the things she needed to continue working at the level that she was working plus in the book she is um falling in love so there is the the additional thing that when you are falling in love you you don't really search out the things that are horrifying you you search out the things that give you you know butterflies Um, but then the other thing that I discovered was you know when I read about the Nuremberg laws I realized that they were very calculated Because the way it was set up, nothing happened all at once. It was like one day you could go and get your bread at, you know, any of these five shops um, five days a week. And then a month later you could get your bread at two out of those shops on, on three days a week. Then it was only one shop and it was maybe one day a week, then it was that shop, and it was only between 11 and 2, and then you couldn't get bread at all. So in that, in that incremental chipping away, everyone adjusted, and it's the old story of the, you know, the frog in a boiling pot. If, if you throw the frog in a boiling pot, the frog dies. But if you heat the water gradually, the frog adjusts and adjusts and adjusts until it gets so hot that the frog is dead but doesn't even really know it's happened. And because I was writing in America with Trump and because I was seeing every day these little, you know, trespasses on the Constitution and these outrages that, you know, people would get so worked up about, and rightly so, about the Muslim ban. And, and then suddenly it was the, you know, the, the locking kids in cages. And it wasn't that the Muslim ban was forgotten, but people just didn't have the, the time or the space in their brains to keep holding every little terrible thing that was being done in in our heads, and that's what it was like in Germany. It was like, okay, well, okay, well, I have to get bread, so I'll just do it at this time. And so the country was being groomed, if you will, as America, to some extent, was also being groomed to these horrible injustices. And just like here, everyone was sort of going, well, somebody has to do something about it as opposed to we have to do something about it. What are we going to do? Um, You know, and it was Robert Mueller and it was this and it was that and it was the Congress and, you know, and finally it was, well, voting, you know, we're going to vote. But, I mean, we will look back on January 6th and realize how close this country came to becoming a fascist government.
1: I mean, you know, it's so interesting we, that you've made that very poignant analogy between what went on then and now. It's it's, it's re- and, and and the truth of it is, is totally amazing. I actually know firsthand of people that had to flee Germany at that time, relatives and friends of of my family, and and some of the stories that were told were horrific about what was going on. And like you said. Jan, it was it was calculated, and it was
2: mm-hmm.
1: low, so that you may not have thought, well, it's really going to happen today, or, or, or not to me, mm-hmm. or whatever, and, and that's yeah. so oh, frightening. And, and
2: that is actually, uh, in, in the book, uh, Lisa is not worried, because there was an exception for any Jew whose father had served in World War I, which her father had. And so for a long time, you know, she was an exception, exactly as you say, it's not going to happen to me because I'm different. Uh, but of course, when they took the exception away and said, oh, well, we're not going to make that exception anymore, she wasn't an exception. She was just like anybody else. And you asked about anti-Semitism. So what I was saying is, of course, I knew I would be dealing with that in in Germany. What I didn't realize was that anti-Semitism really came from the United States. And I I discovered that the Protocols of the Elders of Zion, which is a discredited book, that basically talks about a cabal of Jews that is essentially trying to spark a race war so that they can take over, so that the Jews can take over. It's ridiculous, it, you know. I mean, if you read it, it's. but many people believe in it. And Henry Ford, the you know, the auto manufacturer, published The Protocols of the Elders of Zion in his newspaper in Dearborn, Michigan, you know, which is where his workers lived. And, um, and Hitler thanks Henry Ford in Mein Kampf. He thanks him for introducing him to the Protocols of the Elders of Zion. And Henry Ford continued to do work with the Germans, let the Germans use his factories overseas to make weapons, um, we know that Lindbergh was a, was a, um, uh, well, was, he was a sympathizer. Um, and there was, there was an antisemitism in America that shocked me, I have to say. Um, I did not expect to find as much as I found in this, in this country, um, but I don't want to go in. There's a great spoiler in the book that I don't want to go into. Um, but no, I will say that, that I, I I won't. I won't. Um, but I will say that you know my my I'm half Jewish. My my father's side, and he had told me when he got back from fighting the war that he was trying to get jobs in New York and that there were enormous areas of industry, just entire careers that were not open to Jews. Um, Banking, insurance, um, the the big, big, fancy white shoe law firms, advertising, Um, and of course going back, then you see that there were quotas at all the Ivy League schools, except for Cornell. So when you, you know, now that you look at biographies of, of of Jews who rose to power in the government, you'll see most of them went to Cornell or Columbia because uh, Harvard had quotas, Yale had quotas, uh, Princeton had quotas, Dartmouth had quotas, and there were covenants, you know, where, in certain areas of the city, Where Jews were not allowed to buy property, uh, buy apartments,
1: Um, Park Avenue. It's amazing. It's amazing all the information, Jan, that you've acquired through through your research. (laughs) Oh, it really is. And you know what's fitting is that anti-Semitism exists today, as well as what we're dealing with in terms of the. African-American race and also as well as many Asians right now, there is, there is so much polarization and hopefully that will be shifted. Let's get more into this amazing book because we're running out of time here. Okay. (laughs) Okay. okay. So let me, let me,
2: let me, let me just give you a little bit of a, a kind of teaser summary of the book. So, uh, Hannah Weiss, who is inspired by Dr. Lisa Meitner, is uh, working in Los Alamos. She's in the inner circle with J. Robert Oppenheimer um, as they are in the last days of, um, of, of figuring out how to test the bomb. And somebody is leaking secrets and a military investigator working for the OSS comes to Los Alamos to root out a spy. And as he starts to probe and investigate, his suspicions fall on Hannah. And for good reason, as it turns out, because she is in communication with somebody in the inner circle of, of the German atomic research program. But Hannah is very, very smart. And um, everybody has a secret. And even the investigator has a secret. In fact, he has the biggest secret of all. And so as he's investigating her, she is investigating him and they're playing a game of cat and mouse. And that unfolds as she tells the story of her time in Germany. And as the story unfolds, she lies, she tells the truth, but we don't know until the very, very, very end of the book what happened and who the spy really is. And so it's, uh, I hope, I've been told, it's, it's a book that you race through and, and can't go to sleep because you have to read one more chapter. Um, Um, and the end, no one, no one sees the end coming. It has twists and turns. It's very, um, sexy, which is a funny thing to say after I've spouted all this historical and scientific research, but it is. It's, you know, there are, there are real sparks between the investigator and his suspect, and there are sparks as well in Germany, um, forbidden sparks in both cases. Um, and it uh, uh, ends with the testing of the bomb, uh, which you know is ushers in a, a new age. Um, and I think that 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 explosion is—I I try to make the the emotional explosion of the book as strong as the explosion of the bomb um, and as powerful uh and and I hope I succeed um I think I do. You definitely but.
1: did I've read the book and it and it is a, a, a it's so exciting, and like you said, it keeps you up. I don't want to go to sleep. I need to find out what happened next and what happened next <laughs> yes. oh so yes it's it, and I think it's brilliant, and I love the research that went into it too. Yes, this is fiction, but there's so much that's built upon that that is so beautiful and so important. Now, we talked of some of the reasons why this is important today. What other reasons is this book so important? And how is it being received by both men and women?
2: Okay, so I found out something so interesting. So, you know, there there is a sort of area of historical fiction with female protagonists that is very female-driven in, you know, the audience. Um, it's, you know, I mean, book clubs love this book because it is, uh, you know, everyone says it's a, it's a great read, but then there are so many things to talk about. It raises so many questions, and it's so... You know, there's so many things to discuss, um, but so I I think it was marketed to that sort of female book club audience. But what I have discovered is that men love this book I, I, as much as much or more. Uh, and I only discovered this by sort of mistake, really, because a couple of men interviewed me for you know, newspaper articles. And I heard the way they talked about this book and they were just exuberant and they were connecting to the espionage thriller part. And for them, all of the, you know, the female lead, it, it didn't matter to them whether the lead was male or female. They were saying, you know, this is like reading, uh, John Le Carre or Ken Follett. I mean that it is a real. like you don't know what's going to happen. It's an espionage thriller on a very, very, very high level, and I have to say that pleased me very much. Um, it I certainly set out for people not to know what 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 the truth was. I so I wanted to write a, a thriller in the sense that. There are twists and turns that you don't see coming. But I wrote it, I, I think, from a character point of view very much. And so the male response to the book has has really delighted me. Um, and <laughs> I, I wish, uh, I really wish that it had been, you know, that there was another. There's a great cover on the book, which is this beautiful woman with red lipstick. And I wish there was another cover. Um, that was marketed exclusively to men, because I feel like that's an audience that the book probably hasn't reached as much as it's reached the women um, and the and the female-driven book clubs and you know the, the people who are interested in the hidden figures, the the scientific women who have been erased from history. Um, so. I can honestly say the book has not gotten a bad review. And that's even in Amazon where people can write their reviews anonymously and they can be really mean. <laughs> and, and And they're not, I mean, the reviews are consistently, I couldn't put it down, uh, so thoughtful, so, so it strikes such a chord to where we are now. To um, you know this this heroine who is is really independent. She's not uh, you know there there are women and there's a lot of um, there's there's a lot of pressure on women to um, creating women who are sort of likable you know uh, particularly as a film director I know that um, and Hannah is extremely likable, but, but she's not that smiling, cute girl who's looking for male attention. She's very conscious of, you know, what she knows, what she understands, and what her mission is that, that she's on um, that ultimately is, is an, a humanitarian one. Um, so, but then there are three men, uh, two men in the book who also have missions, and uh, the the male readers very much identify with um, with the lead, particularly with with Jack, the military investigator who comes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so I don't want to blow up. My...
1: She... Sorry, I'm glad that Hannah is portrayed as this this strong yeah she's likable, but it's not she's not doing it to to please a man this is just who yes. she is and that's yes. so important yes. and we we need to know that and we need to yes. aspire to that too so, so yes w- will this be a film? there
2: is a deal
1: uh
2: the <laughs> book has been um uh i i it's, it's, it hasn't been optioned because, obviously, I'm a writer and director. I don't want to give the book to a producer. Uh, okay. I, want to stay, I want to stay involved, but I have entered into a um, partnership with a terrific uh, producer, producing team, really. Um, there is an actress. Uh, I think everyone would be very happy, but I am not allowed to say her name. And I'm sorry to be a tease, but that, that's That's okay. Know.
1: We don't mind the <sighs> right now. We're excited. I'm getting more excited as you're telling this because I didn't know this. uh,
2: because it happened recently. I'm in I'm writing the screenplay now, in fact. That's what I'm doing right at, well, not at this moment I'm talking to you, but when I hang up the phone, I'm going to be at my desk working on the screenplay. Um, And so that's what's right on my plate now. Um, And then I have a second book, um, which is a companion piece to Hannah's War. It's not a sequel. Uh, but I have taken a character in Hannah's War that everybody falls in love with, who disappears from the book about halfway through. Oh. And I am picking t- her life up after she has, essentially after she's left Hannah's War, she enters into her own book, which I'm writing next. Okay.
1: I love it, and you are so amazing, Jan. Thank you for everything that you're doing and especially how you are showing us about many women who have been discounted, unfortunately, through history, and yet through someone like you we can understand and see how – Incredible. Women have been through history regardless of whether or not they've been honored for it. So thank you for that. yeah Tell our listeners oh, thank how you. they can get a hold of you, your book, everything else, because, like I keep saying, you are amazing. And I can't wait to read this next book and find out more okay. about the screenplay. Uh, yes. <gasps> okay. So um
2: Hannah's War can be ordered anywhere um I like bookshop dot com because it it's like Amazon, but for independent book book stores uh it's on Amazon for sure it's on Kindle it's on audiobook i have, uh I chose the narrator for the audiobook, and everybody mm-hmm. loves people who listen to books like that love love the narration um so amazon bookshop dot com Barnes & Noble um, what can I say anywhere books are sold uh, and you can find me on my website um, which is www.janeliasberg that's J-A-N E-L-I-A-S B-E-R-G Eliasberg.com. And I have on there, I think you may have you may have looked at it, but I have videos uh, talking about some of these bits of research that I did, talking about the real Lisa Meitner. Uh uh I have I have information for book clubs. I appear at book clubs now because with Zoom it's so easy. Um so you can contact me directly and i and I will appear at your book club and and do a q and a uh or a presentation um and it also you know invites you to look into some of my film work um all those shows you you kept mentioning at the beginning you know you can see you can see my directing reel um pretty much has anything you you would want to know. Um, and it has ways to contact me and ways to contact my agents and my lawyer and blah, blah, blah.
1: Um, so. Well, there's so much please. blah, blah. It's amazing. <laughs> blah, 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 Jan, blah, blah,
2: Please, please order the book. I, I'm so yes. proud of this book. And I just, I, I think it's a really good read. I, I don't think you will regret it if you order it and read it. I think you'll have a great read.
1: And I can attest to that, definitely, because I have. So thank you, Jan Eliasberg, for all that you do, for being on the show, for uncovering so much backstory information for Hannah's War that we did not know that is important to know today, and have a beautiful day. Thank you.
2: Oh, thank you so much. I've
1: enjoyed talking with you. My pleasure. Thanks again. So uh, everything that Jan Eliasberg has said, because it is so important to understand that women have been rich in helping us with history and moving forward. And if you are a man or a woman, as Jan said, this book is going to be incredible for you as well. Stay tuned. And remember, every day you have the ability, even if it's a little step, to empower yourself, to power your life. So do that today and remember that you are special. Thanks so much for joining us.
0: You've been listening to the Power Your Life radio show with host and author, Dr. Joanne White. Listen often and spread the word about The Upbeat Show to enrich you and grow your life in the direction you desire. Listen again and again and visit DocWhite.org for more information and find out how Dr. Joanne can benefit you. Thank you for sharing your day with us and stay tuned for more exciting guests and events to come.